chapter eleven of the love affairs of pixie by mrs george de horn vesey this librivox recording is in the public domain pixie talks on love the immediate cause of geoffrey's displeasure having been in connection with the bazaar it appeared to joan that it was in that connection also that she must make an amend he had complained that she had failed in interest and personal energy by a supreme effort then she must demonstrate how his words had taken root it was the eleventh hour any one but an impulsive irishwoman would have realized the futility of organizing any fresh feature and would have contented herself with doing well what was already planned but such tame methods were not for the woman who had been esmeralda o'shaughnessy she was accustomed to acting in haste at home at knock the most extensive entertainments had been organized at a few hours notice and how much easier it would be now with a staff of trained servants at her command and a purse full of money to buy the necessary accessories instead of being obliged to manufacture all that was required out of ordinary household goods joan heaved a sigh of regret for the memory of those gay old days when a sheet and a pillow-case had provided a fancy costume which had captivated geoffrey at a glance then knitted her brows afresh in the effort to think out some scheme appropriate to the occasion the vicar's wife had lamented a lack of music which would afford variation from the prosaic business of buying and selling at the time joan had suspected a hint and had resolutely turned a deaf ear she hated singing to strangers she hated singing in a building notably deficient in acoustic properties she had not the faintest intention of victimizing herself for the sake of a village throng but now with the new impetus driving her on nothing seemed too hard or distasteful the vicar's wife should have her music music with such accessories as it had never entered her modest head to imagine music which should be the feature par excellence of the bazaar jones was a quick inventive brain within half an hour she had mentally arranged her programme made a list of the necessary accessories and planned how they should be procured when the little party were again assembled for luncheon she was able to state her plans with an air of complete assurance which left them breathless with astonishment she had decided to provide two short concerts one in the afternoon one in the evening she would sing two songs pixie should do the same they would all join in appropriate part songs by way of a climax the last number on the programme should be illustrated by a tableau vivant she proposed to write special words to a well-known air which together with the tableau should illustrate the benefits which the bazaar was destined to provide for the villagers the tableau should represent a scene in a cottage interior in which were grouped four figures a child suffering from an accident a distraught mother a helpless father and in the background bending beneficently over the patient the parish nurse esmeralda looked around for approval and met the stare of blank and doubtful faces oh a bit lugubrious isn't it mrs hilliard ventured stanor at last 
voicing the general impression so strongly that esmeralda's imagination instantly took another leap certainly not for i should have a second tableau to follow to show the happy convalescence child sitting up in bed pale but smiling nurse bringing in bunch of flowers father and mother with outstretched hands pouring out thanks that's better that's more like it the murmur of approval passed down the table pixie laid her head on one side in smiling consideration yes it would go arranged with esmeralda's skill and taste the scenes would be pretty and touching especially when seen to the accompaniment of her beautiful voice the shortness of the time allowed for preparation troubled pixie no more than her sister she smiled at esmeralda and nodded a cheery encouragement i'll be the distracted mother and weep into my apron honor will look duck in a cap who's to be the little victim jack of course he'll look too sweet said jack's proud mother can't you imagine him sitting up in bed with his curls peeping out beneath his bandages he must have bandages smiling like a little angel he'd bring down the house people would love to see him then for the first time geoffrey spoke so far he had listened to the conversation in a silence which both his wife and sister-in-law felt to be disappointingly unsympathetic now his objections were put into words isn't jack rather young and uh, sensitive for such a public role i should have thought that your concert would be complete without troubling about a tableau in any case there are plenty of village children not with jack's face he is sensitive of course but he's not shy he'd enjoy the excitement and we should be there he could come to no harm and the evening performance would you propose that he sat up for that also joan pressed her lips together in the struggle for patience really geoffrey was too bad what did he mean what did he want the whole scheme had been planned to give him pleasure and here he was silent disapproving throwing cold water the effort at restraint made her voice sound unnatural even in her own ears if we had the tableau in the afternoon it would hardly do to leave it out in the evening the only time when the villagers themselves will be able to be present before geoffrey could reply the heel of pixie's shoe pressed firmly on his foot beneath the table and a warning glance silenced his words a moment later when the discussion of pros and cons waxed loud at the far end of the table she whispered an explanation don't object don't argue it's to please you you said she had taken no trouble geoffrey hilliard's glance of comprehension had in it more of weariness than elation pixie noting the fact felt a rising of irritation and mentally dubbed him ungracious and unreasonable as esmeralda had done before her both failed to appreciate the fact that sudden spasms of energy were by no means an innovation in family history and what the tired man was really longing for 
was that ordered peace and tranquillity which form the english idea of home he made no further objections however and joan threw herself wholeheartedly into her preparations determined on a success which must win approval as by a tour de force the three days following were far from peaceful but if the master of the house kept aloof from the stir and bustle his guests threw themselves into it with every appearance of enjoyment strains of music sounded from the drawing-room and mingled with the tap-tapping of hammers from an upper room where realistic scenery was being manufactured under joan's able supervision the new system of thoroughness demanded moreover that the stored-up cases should be opened and the contents unpacked dusted and repriced a work in itself of many hours the four guests started thereon with equal vigour but honour took an early opportunity of slipping away she was tired she had a headache she must finish a book there were half a dozen stock excuses each one of which seemed to demand an instant adjournment to the garden she made the announcement in a high clear drawl and sailed out of the room without leaving time for protest whereupon robert carr attacked the work on hand with feverish zeal worked like a nigger for five or ten minutes by the clock and finally bolted out of the door without in his case going through the form of an excuse then the two workers who were left looked out of the window and beheld the truants seated at extreme ends of a garden seat hardly speaking to each other looking on the most stiff and formal of terms stanor laughed at the sight but pixie's practical mind could not reconcile itself to such contradictory behaviour where's the sense of it she asked where's the fun to play truant to sit on a bench and sulk wouldn't it be far more fun now to work up here with nice cheerful people like yourself and me but stanor knew better not a bit of it he returned they'd rather quarrel by themselves all day long than be happy with outsiders even such fascinating people as ourselves it's a symptom of the disease of course you have grasped the fact that they are suffering from a disease i have i can use my eyes but why cried pixie rounding on him with sudden energy why will you tell me can't they be happy and comfortable and get engaged and be done with it what's the sense of pretending one thing when you mean another and sulking and quarrelling when you might quite so assented stanor laughing <laughs> odd isn't it but they will you know never any knowing what they will do when it takes them like that besides in this case there are complications miss ward has pots of money and poor old carr has nothing but what he makes he'll get on all right a fellow with that chin is bound to get on but it takes time and meantime it's a bit of an impasse a fellow doesn't mind his wife having some money it's a good thing for her as well as for himself but when it comes to a pile like that well if he has any self-respect he simply can't do it if i had a pile i'd expect my lover to accept it from me as gladly as i'd take it from him if he didn't i should feel he didn't love me enough you'd be wrong there 
he might love you enough to wish to save you from a jolly uncomfortable position it's not right that a man should be dependent upon his wife puts him in a false position not if he really loved her how could it he'd realize then that in a life together there would be no yours or mine it would all be ours stanor lifted his head to look at her and pixie's clear eyes met his in a full frank gaze which held no shadow of embarrassment here was something quite new a girl who could speak about love to a young man without a trace of self-consciousness or flirtation yet with an earnestness which demonstrated a keen personal interest stanor had many girl-friends with whom he had often discussed the subject but invariably a certain amount of self-consciousness had crept in which had shown itself alternately in cynicism or sentimentality now to his own amazement he realized that he was the one to feel embarrassment while pixie confided her sentiments as placidly as if he had been a maiden aunt he stared at her as she stood before him a trim quaint little figure enveloped in a print overall beneath which her feet appeared absurdly small and doll-like and as he looked his heart gave a curious unexpected leap he had felt that leap before and the meaning of it was no mystery to him though in this particular instance it was sufficiently astonishing handsome accomplished the presumptive heir to a fortune stanor vaughan had been a pet of society for the last half-dozen years and being by nature susceptible to girlish charm had more than once imagined himself seriously in love there had been for example that beautiful blonde whose society had turned a summer holiday into a veritable idol he had been on the verge of proposing to her when his uncle had suddenly summoned him home and well somehow the restless misery of the first few days had disappeared with surprising rapidity the vision had grown dim and finally faded from sight again it had been a charming brunette and this time he had been sure of himself perfectly sure he was awaiting an opportunity to speak when again a summons had arrived a pleasant one this time since it took the form of an invitation to accompany his uncle on a prolonged continental tour there had been no time to think he had barely time to pack his bag and be off and at the end of a month well he had begun to hesitate and doubt and the episode ended like the first curious when he came to think about it how the runkle had in both cases played the part of deus ex machina it was coincidence of course pure coincidence for the old fellow had not known the girls even by name but it was odd as for his own part in the proceeding both girls had been unusually charming specimens of the modern society girl it was natural enough that he should have been impressed but if it was really the fact that he was falling in love with this irish pixie that was another and a very different matter with a darting thought stanner recalled his impressions on first meeting the girl a week before and his own outspoken surprise at the insignificance of the sister of his beautiful hostess 
a plain odd little creature that had been the involuntary verdict but almost immediately it had been amended plain but charming distinctly the little thing had charm now at the expiration of six days it had come to this that his eyes no longer noted the faulty outline but found a continual joy in watching the play of expression the vivid life and interest of the sparkling little face this was the real thing at last stanner told himself it must be the real thing mingled with all his excitement and perturbation he was conscious of a thrill of self-appreciation it was not every man of his age who would put beauty of character before that of feature he threw a deliberate empressement into his gaze and said meaningly your husband miss pixie will be a lucky man he will so agreed pixie warmly she gave a soft musical laugh as if the thought were a pleasant one to dwell on but stanor was sensitive enough to realize that his own image played no part in her dreams she took up her pen and returned to the scribbling of prices on small paper labels russian lace five shillings a yard russian lacquer collar box don't you hate that shiny red of course when i talked of fortunes i was only putting myself in her place i've nothing none of us have when my lover comes there'll be only me the words sounded modest enough but there was a complacence in the tilt of the head which told another story pixie o'shaughnessy had no pity to waste on the man who should win herself stanor's lip twisted in a self-conscious smile the other girls had been rich he pondered for a moment and then said suddenly i wonder miss pixie with your temperament and uh, under the circumstances that you have not been fired with the modern craze to do something before now girls nowadays don't seem happy unless they have some work but i have i have did you think i was idle she looked at him with reproachful eyes this is a holiday i'm sampling luxury for a change and i won't deny it's agreeable but at home all the year i'm at work from morning to night i don't know how to get through my work so she had a profession then after all stanor felt an amused conviction that whatever the post might be the little thing would fill it uncommonly well small and childlike as she appeared she yet carried with her that air of assurance which is the heritage of the capable it interested him to consider for a moment what particular role she had adopted and more than one possibility had passed through his head before he put the question into words and what exactly do you do miss pixie she stared at him blankly now if you'd asked me to say what i do not do it would have been easier have you any sort of idea what it means to keep a home going with big ideas and little means and a cook general to thwart your efforts if you have you can imagine the list dusting sewing mending turning making unmaking helping bridgie amusing the children soothing the servants humouring dick making dresses trimming hats covering cushions teaching the alphabet 
practising songs arranging flowers watering plants going to shops making up parcels writing notes making stanner held up his hands in protest stop have pity on me what an appalling list isn't it nearly done my ears are deafened i am overcome with the thought of such activity nevertheless the smile with which he regarded her was distinctly approving for like most men he preferred domestic women who did not despise home work i'll tell you what it is he added warmly mrs victor is like the other fellow jolly lucky to have you there are precious few girls who would give up their whole lives to a sister bridgie is more than a sister she's meant father and mother and home to me for over ten years my parents died when i was so young like mine that's a point of union between us my uncle has played the part of your bridgie he has i know it he's lame answered pixie swiftly and was amazed at the heat with which the young fellow replied lame who said so who told you what does it matter if he is lame not one bit i was only sorry i didn't mean to be unkind or to repeat anything i shouldn't why are you vexed he shrugged his shoulders and snapped the scissors over a coil of string oh nothing gets on one's nerves a bit that's all he's such a fine fellow he would have been such a brick but that wretched lameness has spoiled it all till he was eighteen he was as strong as a horse a fine upstanding young giant he must have been then came the accident pitched from his horse against a stone wall and for twelve solid years he lay on his back that made him only thirty but you would never have believed it to see him he was a lot more like a man of fifty pixie laid her pen on the table and rested her chin in the clasped hands her eyes looked very large and wistful twelve years on one's back would be pretty long one would live so fast inside all the while one's body was idle twould age you if it had happened when he was fifty twould have been easier but at eighteen one feels so lively and awake anything anything would seem better than to do just nothing to wake each morning and know there was nothing before one all the long hours but to lie still other people would get accustomed to it for you that would be one of the bits which would hurt the most for you'd never be accustomed yourself and which would be worst do you think the days when it was dull and the room was dark or the days when the sun blazed begging him to come out stanor shook himself with an involuntary shiver don't he cried sharply don't talk like that what an imagination you have i've been enough cut up about it goodness knows but i never realized all that it meant well he is better now so we needn't grouse about it any more it's only that it's left a mark he was turned in a moment from a boy into an old man his youth was killed and he can't get it back that's one reason why he's so jolly anxious about me like most fellows he sets an exaggerated value on the things he has missed himself and it's a craze with him to as he calls it safeguard my youth he is trying to live his own lost days again through me 
poor fellow and it's a poor game outsiders take for granted that i'm his heir but that's bosh fellows of thirty-five don't worry about heirs he has never mentioned the subject all he has done is to give me every chance in the way of education and to promise me a good start off i'd have been ready to tackle serious work at once but he is against a fellow having real responsibility until he's had time to feel his feet i've had to work of course he's keen on that but he's keen on recreation too and freedom from responsibility he believes poor chap that if a fellow has freedom between twenty and thirty he is better fitted to take up responsi Stenner stopped short suddenly, and the blood rushed to his cheeks. I wonder, he repeated blankly. I wonder. For the first time, revelation had come home to him with a flash that his uncle's interference in those two incipient love affairs had not been coincidence, but a deeply matured plan he recalled occasions when chance words had betrayed a surprising acquaintance with his own doings the houses at which he visited and the feminine members of those households unsuspecting himself he had doubtless betrayed more than he knew in more ways than one his uncle had determined to safeguard his freedom during these early years Denner set his lips the discovery was no more pleasant to him than it would be to any other young man of his age a certain amount of management a fellow must be ready to accept from one who has been so generous a friend but this was going too far the runkle must be shown that in purely personal matters his nephew would allow no one to interfere the frown continued for several minutes but finally gave place to a smile for a consideration of the present position had led him to a comfortable conclusion the runkle would be on a wrong tack this time if he scented any attraction among the members of miss hilliard's house-party it would of a certainty be attributed to the pretty american heiress honor ward no one would suspect for a moment that the fastidious stanor vaughan had been laid captive by a plain and penniless irish pixie End of chapter 11